Welcome back to the Mining Pod. We got a news roundup and an Anthony Power show. This is a pretty action-packed episode for your Saturday morning. So you're welcome. Free content. Pretty good stuff. Talking about Bitcoin today, as always. We're going to start off this news roundup talking about Bitcoin price, what's going to happen post-CZ at Binance, hash rate going up, and then we'll move over into some of the Bitcoin mining news of this week. Antpool mining a huge block with a lot of transaction fees after someone maybe fat fingered on a transaction. Who knows? 90 Bitcoin. And then F2 pool censoring and then backing off of its censorship of transactions. So a lot going on. As always, joined by Charlie. Matt is off this week. It's okay. It's a holiday. It's nice of Charlie to join me. Charlie, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. It's a good day. We had a wonderful Thanksgiving here in, in the US of A um and yes, i'm back yeah i'm back at it i what's the what's the black friday today i call it like thanksgiving boxing day where you box up all the food after the day uh, mm. after thanksgiving it's like christmas boxing day. so um yeah ready to talk about bitcoin mining because it doesn't matter if if half the world's on holiday um things still happen on bitcoin and so we've got to talk about it bitcoin is still live as they say okay we'll go f- into our first topic of discussion which is bitcoin price i wicked up to like almost thirty nine thousand this morning which was fantastic it seems like we're having some strong price action this comes of course after what happened with ching pings out the former ceo of binance binance and the u.s department of justice came to an agreement for cz to step down binance to take a four billion dollar penalty and for cz to get about 18 months in prison uh right to see if, like what the sentencing is but that's what it looks like as of now so CZ is no longer the head of Binance, and it looks like Binance has its big geopolitical headwinds or overhang out of the way now, which a lot of people are looking at this and be like, this was the final hurdle to enable us to get to a long-anticipated Bitcoin ETF. And price action looks like it is anticipating that possibly occurring, maybe pricing it in. Throw it over to you. What do you think about all that? Man, I've said it before. Like, I think uh, news events are are neutral, whether whether we think they're good or bad. And what matters most is how the price responds, indicating whether we're in an uptrend or a downtrend. Price is up on uh, the biggest exchange, owing $4 billion to the US government and the, and the and this legendary, probably most tightness figure in all of crypto stepping down. Um, now there's some game theory to this, some kind of commentary, some very interesting insights, whether it's a good or bad thing. Overall, people think it's a good thing. The price of Bitcoin thinks it's a good thing. We're at the highest price of Bitcoin we've had in a year and a half, um, certainly the highest this year. This is crazy. Um, and it's funny because like we see a little bit, people talk about this on mainstream news, but I would say just boots on the ground. Again, we're at that perennial like cycle where everybody in the industry knows that it's, uh, it's, it's the, you know, put your bull pants back on because uh, it's, it's around the corner, but the broader public hasn't kind of like, it hasn't like, filtered through the consciousness yet so this will be interesting to watch when is when is the other shoe going to drop and people going to realize that it's probably uh game on so we'll see that is the question indeed because there's not as much interest in bitcoin right now as obviously there was in 2021 get a few texts from friends right now which is always a solid indicator but it does seem to just be people pricing in an etf so bitcoin's prices going back up if we break 40k i mean that's Solid territory for a bull run from there. Uh, okay, let's talk about the mempool right now, which of course is ripping. We've been we have been seeing sats per v byte easily over forty sats per v byte. 
and I've seen as high as like 200, 250. Charlie, you've probably seen it higher. This seems to be a lot of stuff to do with ordinals, like people just playing around with it, but also just typically transaction fees go up during a bull run, if we can call it a bull run yet. Yeah, this is the confluence of everything. It's driven mainly by ordinals, which are driven mainly by the BRC20 fungible token standard. We've talked about that. Um, this is largely activity in minting uh, speculative shit coins, mostly interested out of uh, Asia and uh, China, Southeast Asia. Um, that's where all the, the the buying is coming from for these, which is fun. Love to see it. Miners uh, are welcoming the fees. Um, we saw an interesting event where we're actually seeing, I think we saw that one of the highest fee rate purges or like mempool fee uh, fee rate purges I've seen in a while. I saw 30 sats for VBite, which to the user, the listener, um, most mempool standards policy, that is each node has a mempool keeping all the transactions. A lot of them start removing transactions under, under a certain fee rate once the kind of size of all the aggregate transactions get to a certain amount. So, um, and that's typically, uh, you know, by a, a, a fee per weight unit, basically. Um, and so we saw that reach one of the highest ever. And we saw some interesting activities. So we saw a bunch of transactions get purged and or replaced over the past couple of days. It's just a really fun time to be looking at the mempool, you know, even from a, from a beginner to a seasoned mempool uh, study or it's, it's just a really interesting time to be watching what's happening on Bitcoin. Definitely is like, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Got to pull up some charts for Bitcoin mining here. So excuse me as I do that. But the interesting thing from a Bitcoin mining perspective is that hash rate is just ripping right now. 500x hash. So at the beginning of the year, I like to do on this podcast guesses or estimates for what hash rate is going to be at the end of the year. And every single person was so wrong, not even close. The most bullish number I had was around 350 from people. And these are mining experts, right? They said like 350 end of year and not even end of year. It's the end of November, we have another month to go, and we're at 500x a hash. So that just tells you how competitive Bitcoin is. And I think it also tells you how much there was to unwind from what happened in 2021. Like there was so much infrastructure that was built. There were so many different projects to be completed. And now it's actually coming online and has been a little bit uh, for the last few weeks. And then also like pre-orders for S21s and other units. Those things are starting to ratchet up. So it looks like we might get to uh, that 1000 exahash. Yeah, it's, rather than later. it's wild. I mean, just for some comparison, I think one of the reasons a lot of us, myself included, under... Uh, under predicted to the to the downside is because even when we saw the crazy ripping hash price in 2020 and 20 through the beginning of 2022, we didn't see like miners weren't able to get online and scale quickly enough. We're actually seeing, I believe, it's a higher uh, rate of increase here uh, during a bear or flat market than we saw during the height of the bull. So it is very indicative that I think. Miners are able to get on quicker at larger scale. The industry has really improved its execution rate. And I think that really says something. So um, maybe this will create a, a next cycle of people predicting too much to the upside. Who knows? I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Hash rate or hash price, I should say, is doing better, like over $90 per petahash. But it's still not great compared to what we've seen previously. Okay, we will leave that there and let's go over to our two other subjects. The first one being, let's talk about this crazy, crazy thing that happened with Ant Pool yesterday. 
they mined a Bitcoin block with $3.2 million in transaction fees. You're going to throw this up from our friends over at the Miner Mag. Be sure to bookmark their website. They do great stuff over there. Ampool mines Bitcoin block with $3.2 million of fees. It is unclear if the fees are intentional or due to an error. 91.4 BTC as a subsidy or fee there. That's just insane. And so I've been seeing this kind of circulate some mining chats, wondering like what happened here? How did this happen? Uh, Udi Wertheimer, the Taproot Wizards co-founder and longtime arch nemesis of the Bitcoin Maxis. I made a joke about this. Like maybe he made this block. He fat fingered transaction. There was some speculation around there was like an ornament here or something like that. But it, it looks like something else. And there's a lot of different ideas for this, right? Like you could throw it out there being like money laundering where someone was just trying to uh, move money through the Bitcoin network and just paid a lot of fees and they knew where it's going. That's extremely speculative. Uh, there's ideas about like maybe this was ant pool playing around with like a pool fees game and trying to outbalance foundry they're in a, a race with foundry right now to kind of claim the top spot so maybe there's something with that there's a lot of games you can play with this and this fees one was quite interesting of course it all comes down to can you like back out who was transacting this block which is sort of difficult to do i can throw it over to you charlie man this uh this could be it's probably a very nuanced uh issue uh, there's a lot of speculation um What's funny is I think like the kind of normie mining Twitter scene seems to just like kind of hand wave and say, oh, money laundering. But like, I, you know, that doesn't, I think it, I'm going to go with none of the above and say it's probably somebody experimenting with something and uh, made some big accident because there's no change output. It look at us all the hallmarks of someone uh, being a little more hands on with their transaction broadcasting and construction. And there's also, I believe, RBF'd. So at one fee rate, it's even crazier, higher fee rate. Um, <laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, this is, a, this is a very interesting thing. It is the highest uh, block in dollar terms, block reward in dollar terms ever. Um, so that's its historic uh, flag uh, planted. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I, you know, feel bad for whoever might be on the bad end of this. Um, but, you know, Bitcoin continues to produce blocks. We'll see. Yeah, the interesting thing here, of course, is what happened with Paxos earlier in the year where Paxos was working with PayPal. Paxos accidentally sent a very large Bitcoin transaction with like a $500,000 fee. F2Pool is the one who landed that block. And F2Pool held the fee for a little bit. And then I believe gave it back to Paxos after a little finagling on Twitter. Antpool doesn't seem like they're going to reimburse this block. Like, I don't see that anyone's like kind of come forward and like claimed it as theirs. Like, maybe there's some backdoor negotiations going on. That's of course very possible. But if you're mining with Antpool, like maybe you had like a little bit of a higher bump, or I guess Antpool took it all. I don't know. I don't know what's yeah, their payout structure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't think it was Udi. That's that's my definitive uh, assessment. Same. Yeah, that would be uh, half of their startup raise that they just concluded so that'd be a little bit much money yeah well more to watch on that front uh at the very least bitcoin is active again and that story says so let's go over to f2 pool and talk about censorship on f2 pool <clears throat> on november 20th so earlier this week six ofact sanctioned transactions were noticed to be missing 
from three different pools, Foundry, via BTC, and F2 pool. This is according to a blog post from 0xB10C, Bitcoin developer out there uh, who makes a lot of great projects and actually is a great follow on Twitter. They noticed that these transactions, which were occurring from like August till now or like September to October, some of them were, some of these Bitcoin blocks were not including certain transactions and those transactions were linked to addresses that were sanctioned by OFAC. Uh, after doing some investigation, it looks like the Foundry and the Via BTC transactions were not included in those blocks for various reasons pertaining to how Bitcoin works. So those two companies were not on the hook for uh, practicing censorship, but does look like F2 Pool was doing so, and it was later confirmed by Chun Wang, who is the uh, founder and CEO of F2 Pool. And he went online and talked about it, kind of defended himself for a little bit, and then later went back and changed his stance on it uh, after walking back the censorship protocol. And then he also put out this tweet saying, a censorship-resistant system must be designed to resist censorship at the protocol level rather than relying on each participant to act consciously and refrain from censorship. The internet and TCP IP have failed this. Bitcoin should learn from this failure. Any takes on this? Man. Giving you a lot of pool questions this week, which you work at a Bitcoin pool. So yeah, I, I work in a mining pool, so, and I work in Represent Luxor. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a nuanced and complex issue. Um, as an individual, I think what Chun said is correct. I think the protocol should be the one to enforce the neutrality of itself. Um, people, you know, some of these are most of these are real companies located in real jurisdictions, and we have to make realistic decisions. And um, so, yeah, OFAC compliance. Uh, while I believe Bitcoin should be a, uh, a neutral money, um, the individuals who act on it and the companies are not necessarily neutral. So um, I, I did like to see that F2 pool, you know, listened, you could say listened to the community and uh, pulled off the OFAC compliant software. I thought that was really a really interesting decision. Um, but we'll just have to see where this goes. As we enter into an era where the different regulatory bodies are more in tune with actually how Bitcoin works and they have to design laws and legal structures for it, we're going to see more conversations like this. There's going to be a lot more you know, scrutiny on block construction and uh, inclusion or, or uh, omittance from that. So um, I think this is probably one of the first of many stories we'll see over the next few years. I think so as well. I mean, this brings us back to the Marathon Digital story from 2021, where they were also filtering out transactions. Of course, with the OFAC standards, those addresses are out there. We know about them, but you don't necessarily have to do it. It's, it's, it's not a compliance that you have to do as of now, maybe in the future, and there's concerns about that. And that's why there's a race to getting Stratum V2 up and all these other ideas for decentralizing the Bitcoin mining layer. But you don't have to do it now. You're basically only doing it because like, maybe you're concerned that OFAC might go after you or you want to be compliant ahead of time. So that's something just to watch and kind of put out there. Yeah, I think the other thing is like, um, I think like, like, you know, regulators and the and legislators tend to like be a little bit laggards behind like the game theory conversation about Bitcoin. So they're kind of understanding that, oh, these pools, they, they produce these blocks and we can try to tell them to do or not do these things. But I don't think that kind of the game theory nature of Bitcoin 
you know, transaction inclusion has fully distilled into everybody yet because like theoretically anybody should be able to be able to put a transaction into Bitcoin eventually because someone else who is, you know, in a, who is a miner in a different country who would process or include that transaction in the block is still going to happen. So like, you know, the, the, it's kind of an old conversation now within Bitcoin uh, adversarial thinking land, but it doesn't make sense to do this for countries or jurisdictions because it's going to happen anyway. And you're only shooting yourself in the foot. Um, we'll see how this plays out. Um, it's uh, going to be a very interesting few years. Okay, we'll close it out there. Next up, we have Anthony Power, who joined us earlier in the week to talk about Bitcoin mining stocks and a review of both October and Q3 numbers from our public miners out there. Did you know that you can make more money by merge mining other networks? Check out makemoremoneymining.com for information on BIPs 300 and 301, a proposal to bring more revenue to Bitcoin miners through sidechains and merge mining called DriveChains. Increase your mining revenues and learn more about participating in Bitcoin governance by visiting makemoremoneymining.com. Are you a miner who wants to activate Bitcoin improvements? Check out activation.watch. See what Bitcoin improvements the Bitcoin community, developers, and miners are considering and show support by signaling for one of many BIPs up for consideration. Activation.watch. Is your mining operation happening ready? Take control of your own future with the right energy strategy. Lingcoin Energy Training Platform is a tool used by miners to design, monitor, and seamlessly orchestrate sophisticated energy strategies within electricity markets such as ERCOT, New York, and PJM. Avoid penalties, participate in demand response programs, and capture hundreds of thousands of dollars per megawatt per year by deploying the right block and index strategy. Secure your competitive edge at Lingcoin.com. Are you a retail or institutional investor interested in Bitcoin mining companies? The Miner Mag brings you free data and analysis from all major NASDAQ-listed Bitcoin mining operations to know who stands out. Check out visualized metrics and data-dependent stories at theminermag.com. Welcome back to The Mining Pod. On today's show, we're joined by Anthony Power. As always, Anthony, welcome back to the show. Excited to talk about monthly mining metrics with you today and some Q3 numbers that we also have. Great to be here, Will. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's just dive right into it. A lot going on in terms of Bitcoin fees right now. We've seen uh, some Bitcoin blocks have rewards of like eight plus Bitcoin, which has been awesome. Sats per V-byte, seen like upwards of 250 Sats per V-byte. So Bitcoin miners are really enjoying those fees. Maybe not people transacting with Bitcoin, but we're rooting for miners here. So that's kind of made a, a cheery picture for the current moment, but we're going to go back to October and then also look at some of the Q3 numbers that have come out from a few Bitcoin miners. And we'll just start you know, from the beginning. I'll throw up some charts and Anthony, you can direct me as we go through them. Okay. So we'll start with some October numbers, handing it over to you, Anthony. Yeah, um, sure. So what we saw in October, we saw the, the global hash rate continue to increase in its in its move towards all-time highs every month, literally this this um, this year. Um, what that means for miners is that you know when you have more hash rate on the net, the difficulty um, will end up increasing because with more hash rate, the they solve the block in a quicker time. So the difficulty factor then kicks in to get it back to where it should be, which is a block every 10 minutes. So we did see the difficulty um, change um, by about 9% um, from the start to the end of the month. But overall, that was closer to a 4% average for the whole month. What that means is that miners were producing um, less Bitcoin 
itself. However, what we did see it from the end of September to the end of October, we saw a spike in the Bitcoin price of over 30%. So where they were mining less Bitcoin, they were actually achieving greater revenues. And so literally every miner achieved a higher revenue um, for the month of October than they did for the month of for the month of September. But their production was actually, uh, in, in nearly all cases, apart from three, uh, Riot, um, Argo, and uh, one one of the minor, you know, the the rest of the miners are actually, you know, actually producing less less Bitcoin. Um, from a highlight perspective, we saw you know Marathon, you know, continuing now with a, with a nineteen you know point you know two exa hash uh, of energized hash rate, uh, producing over twelve hundred Bitcoin um, yet again, um, slightly below their all time high, which is about twelve hundred forty five, I believe. Um, but still a good total and indications because of what's happening now with with uh, the transaction fees, which you alluded to at the start of the uh, discussion, um, that may well uh, break the, the all time high for, for Marathon in the month of November because they have four exahash of installed hash rate that is yet to be energized at their Garden City site in Texas. So the you know, indications from the company said that was likely to, to happen towards the end of the month. So we'll hopefully see some of those miners come online, increase their hash rate further. Um, they're still progressing well, uh, Marathon in the UAE. So, you know, that's on track. They're, they're reaching all the milestones there and they expect to, by the end of the year, have achieved their, their 7.2x hash. And they haven't really stopped there. They're, they're, they're just constantly looking for other sites. So now they're looking at Paraguay. Um, they visited Africa, so a number of sites in Africa, so plenty of potential opportunities for those miners who are prepared to move into other continents where there is cheap renewable energy. Um, so Marathon are making this, this drive to get to that 30x hash, which is their sort of like next target. And once they achieve that, we'll see another, another target in place for them. They just seem to be, you know, getting their act together now in 2023, whereas 2022 was, was, was a challenging year for them. But they've, they've realized, you know, probably looked at some of the things that happened previously, made amendments to that, and, and it looks like they're all full steam ahead. Um, when we're looking at sort of like production, it's going to be like the usual suspects again um, who, who have produced well over the month. And actually, in the month of October, we literally had five miners who were all within fractions of a percentage of each other. So we had the likes of... Um, Sato Technology, who fractionally came, you know, out just ahead of Iris Energy. We also had um, uh, Hive Digital. We had um, Bit Farms, and we had DMG as well. So those five um, had had good production numbers for the month. From a utilization perspective, um, again, we're looking at Iris Energy, uh, followed by Sato uh, with with Bit Farms and Hive also in in them sort of like top top four top four slots. Um, so yeah, no, good, a good month. Argo blockchain um, had a, had a, had a had a better month than, than previous months. Now and we're starting to see some of these miners that were sort of towards the bottom of the tables on a month and month average, starting to improve month by month. We're seeing better results month by month. Not where we not where we want to see, them, but but they're getting towards you know the levels where we, we we'd like to see them you know more more often, and uh, they they've done you know a, a, a job of trying to keep the cost down. Um, having 
the financial pressures they've gone through over the last sort of 12 months, having to, you know, to give up their site at, at Helios, uh, look at massive cost reduction because they still have a significant amount of debt to uh, finance. And um, so cost is important for them. But it was good to see that they had, had a had, you know, reasonably good update for October. Um, their results come out, and I'll be reviewing their results this, this next over this next three or four days. Um, and we'll talk through some of the results results I have reviewed towards the end of the podcast but yeah from from a from a you know an October overview um you know a good month there was there was a number of miners still benefiting from the energy um curtailment in Texas so we had the likes of riot we had the likes of cipher we had the likes of um iris energy argo blockchain and bitdeer those five miners all benefiting from from curtailing um in the month of October, and you're not going to get the same levels of uh, rewards as they were getting. Some of them were getting between June and and, uh, and September. So those four months are the really big months where you know there's a, a lot more curtailment, but the a- actual benefits um, outweigh the fact they've curtailed. So you know we saw the likes of Riot in previous months. You know earning, I think in one month it was over thirty million dollars of 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 credits towards their future energy bills by not mining. Um, but in, in the month of October, that was back down to about two and a half million. So still, uh, still, you know, a reasonably good amount. But if you look at Riot's production, look at the energy credits, it's sort of like you'd be asking the question as to, you know, could they have actually mined more and, um, and, and got more Bitcoin mined during the month? Um, because they have a fixed um, fixed PPA agreement for 345 megawatts of the site at Windstone, so that gives an opportunity to keep the machines going 24/7. Um, but you know, Jason will you know will always articulate that you know they do look at all the indicators and they always look at where the best value can be achieved. So whether it is to mine or was to curtail, so they are using these strategies really well. And you know, when we come to talk about their um, their last quarter's financial updates, it'll become more evident as to what they've been doing. Um, so there you go. There's a table for rank by production. So, you know, Sato Technology coming out top. Um, but you can start to see now, actually, there's very little between sort of like the top, you know, 10, 11 miners. They're all sort of, and they should be all producing, you know, a similar amount. Um, you know, it's about keeping the machines, you know, um, online, keeping them, you know, service maintained, in good facilities, you know, what stands out one miner from another? It's not just plugging in a machine and just leaving it for the for the month. You have to manage these machines. They've got software that's managing these machines. They know when a machine is not operating at the at the optimum level, they can go in and do a, you know, a, a maintain that machine. And so, you know, we, we have that's where we get the consistency from some of the miners. You know, Iris Energy, uh, Hive, Bit Farms. Are all, and clean spot are generally always in that you know that top four position there, and they're in there for a reason because they just seem to do things well from a prod production perspective. Now that doesn't account for anything like the cost of energy they're using. That's a separate metric, and so you never take one metric by itself. So this is one chart where these miners do well on. But if we were to do you know look at the cost per mining a bitcoin, it might show a totally different perspective on some of the miners. And I know looking at that chart now. I can tell you from what I've looked at from from the Q3 financials that Riot can produce the cheapest Bitcoin of all those miners on there. So, you know, having not the greatest production, 
what they do produce, they do produce very cheaply. Yeah, some takeaways from this for, for myself is what you mentioned here with the energy production costs. Uh, you can see that in the numbers here by the rank by exahash, uh, which is a really interesting metric for looking at like how much Bitcoin you can actually mine if you have like a set amount of exahash on the shelves. Like, what is your expectation? And you can see like those energy strategies playing out. Uh, the other thing, of course, being that difficulty was really tough last month in October, and that ratcheted up, increased or decreased everyone's production. Luckily, we're seeing Bitcoin mining fees start to eke into that. That was one takeaway from the recent summit down in Fort Worth. That was this month, the North American Blockchain Summit. Uh, is a lot of these Bitcoin miners were very, very happy that fees were going up uh, because sort of padding the, the difficulty change, right? So I'm interested to see if Bitcoin miners continue to become more interested in things like ordinals and inscriptions or layer twos, stuff like that, because it's going to help out their monthly production, which flows right into their stock price and flows right into their ability to make other purchases for machines or sites or whatnot. So that is one takeaway for me. But I'll hand it back over to you for the next metric that you want to take a look at. So Bitcoin, Bitcoin sold as a part of their production. This is an interesting metric because it really tells you um, how the miners are um, paying for their operational and capital expenditure going forward. We've talked in the past about, you know, debt being, you know, not the way forward at the moment because of interest rates and because of the uncertainty in the debt markets and the, the issues that a number of miners have had during that 2021, 2022 period where they took out loans at the, at the height of the bull, bull run and then had to sort of service those loans as the Bitcoin price was dropping and their collateral was, was dropping in value. And so, you know, now miners are looking at, you know, for the, for the last sort of 12 months, they've been looking at selling Bitcoin on a more regular basis. And, you know, looking at that graph there, the majority of miners are selling um, literally all their production now on a monthly basis. Um, interestingly, um, you know, one of the miners that has uh, one of the largest hodls, um, Hut 8, um, they actually sold a significant amount in October. They still have, I think, over 9,000 Bitcoin on, on, the, um, on the balance sheet. So, um, but it was effectively, you know, th over three times their monthly production for, for October. And bear in mind, their monthly production for the last few months has been, has been significantly low. They've had... They probably had more than their fair share of bad luck in 2023. They had the uh, the issues with their energy provider, uh, Alidus, um, in, in Canada, uh, Ontario. And they've also had the, the issues with um, mining machines at Drumheller, uh, which they're trying to resolve at the moment. Um, but on a positive note today, um, the announcement from uh, USBTC um, to say that their shareholders had unanimously and overwhelmingly voted for the merger. That's a positive um, positive note for, for Hutte. The SEC approved it, I think, um, a couple of weeks ago. So I think it's all steam ahead now for the merger. And I think they're looking at a date uh, around about the 30th of November. So, you know, in the next week or so, that merger taking place. And, you know, the synergies of those two companies, they bring different skill sets to the table. And I think there'll be some really good synergies. They'll be able to reduce a certain level of costs. But Hutt will then be able to utilize some of the USBT sites to get their miners in there and start getting that production where it is and start getting that company back to where we saw it in the heights um, during, you know, 2021. I mean, at the moment today, I think Hutt's market capitalization is a little over 400 million. But in 2021, we saw it reach two and a half billion. 
So, you know, um, they, 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 you know, there's a long way to go, but this is a good step for them. And um, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll see lots more updates um, coming out, um, you know, explaining what's going to happen. I mean, the, you know, the two companies joined together now have got a significant amount of hash rates. Certainly, um, you know, that sort of keeps them in that group along with Iris Energy, with Wolf, um, with uh, Cypher, um, in that sort of wide classes like the mid-tier. So, they, you know, they'll have a significant amount and they'll have, you know, facilities whereby they can probably expand, um, you know, quicker than, than some of the other miners because they'll have infrastructure there already so it's it's a very positive day for hut eight um let's not you know think it's going to change instantaneously we've still got the november update to come out and we're not expecting it to be a brilliant update because you know they're still using the sites in canada um but you know hope in 2024 as we approach the halving they can really start to you know get where they need to maybe um make some use of uh, you know, cheaper mining machines on the market to grow some hash rate to replace machines and get production where it needs to. Um, Bit digital as well. They've been generally um, selling within their production, so growing their hodl bit by bit. But if you remember, Bit Digital uh, over a month ago they announced um, the purchase of a significant amount of um, GPUs for their AI um, uh, service that they're going to start providing, and so. I'm assuming some of that 378 Bitcoin was used to start paying down some of the capital costs of that uh, decision. So that's not totally unexpected. But if you look across the rest there, literally most of the miners are selling 100%. Marathon um, you know, only sold 67%. Um, uh, Bitfarm's at 86 And CleanSpark, um, who've had a few months now where they sold very little, um, you know, sold a little bit more than they have done the last three months but it's still within their production they still were adding to their bitcoin treasury which is a which is a good sign they you know that gives them a bit more liquidity going into the going into the halving because you're going to need that liquidity um, not just to, from a cash flow perspective to, to last it you know that three or four months or five months until the bitcoin price goes but actually from an opportunity perspective if something comes along that you know maybe they can um, take advantage of so you know machines come into the market after the halving they're in a position to do that and do it quickly because you can liquidate um, bitcoin instantaneously it's, you know although it's not classed as a cash and cash equivalent it effectively is because you can you can change it for cash in a day and that should be really um, part of the definition of cash and cash equivalent so um so 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 good for them but yeah, it, we, you know, if we looked at this graph a year ago, it would look totally different from it, from what it does now. The miners have started to realise they have to start selling some of their production as we go through. But um, you know, four or five, we've still got a reasonable amounts of hodl. I want to go back to the Hut Eight US Bitcoin merger. Uh, obviously, a, a juggernaut is is being made here if it does go through, and it looks like it has basically gone through at this point. That would give. Hut 8 access to numerous sites within the US. They'd mostly only operate in Canada. That would enable them to grow their hash rate quite a bit. Uh, but on the flip side, that also give US Bitcoin access to all this HODL that Hut has had for some time and perhaps pay off some of that debt that they have accrued from their numerous deals. Uh, they went on a spending spree from 2021 until 2023. Uh, they entered into deals with Compute North after the fall Compute North and its Chapter 11. They purchased some assets from it and from its uh, overlying top company, that was the lending company here, which was Generate Capital. And then they also entered into agreement with uh, Fahrenheit, 
a new company being spun out of Celsius to be able to mine. Now, we don't know what's happening with the Celsius Fahrenheit ordeal. It still looks like it's being held up by the SEC. But at the very least, we know that U.S. Bitcoin has some debt. I'm going to toss it over to you. What do you think about the debt? Do you have a number off the top of your head for, for what that value is? Um, I was trying to find it right now and actually couldn't find it. But Yeah, I don't have the debt. But what I would say is, is that is the, you're quite right. The hodl um, that, that um, uh, Hutt have got, and I think it's like 9,000... Uh, 9, Nine, just over 9,000 coins with a value of about $315 uh, million. That was as at the end of October, and the Bitcoin price has slightly increased from the 30, nearly 35,000. I think at the moment it's about 37,000. So there's another um, you know, 4 or 5% to add on to that. What, what we've seen some companies start to do is also look to use their Bitcoin to get to raise capital, use the Bitcoin as like a Bitcoin back loan. So they're not selling the Bitcoin, but they're using it to raise capital. So if there's an expectation that people believe the Bitcoin price will, you know, continue its 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 rise um, and through the halving, that might be a, a, an option that they that's open to them to raise capital on the back of having that large hodl. I believe they have some of that um, hodl is is used um, as collateral at the moment. So it's it's not all um, totally um, unrestricted. There is a restricted element to that hodl. Um, but it, but it, they've still got a significant amount of unrestricted. So, you know, you're quite right. It, you know, as a, as a, as a one-hole company, they have a number of options available for them. And um, yeah, it, it looks like it looks like it, you know it's a, it's a joining of you know of, of two companies that bring different skill sets. And, and I'm sure we'll see the synergies come through in the next twelve months. Well, those are some great thoughts there. Want to move over to some quarter three numbers? Um, we've obviously gone through a lot already, but there is more financials to talk to talk through because it is that season of the year we financial results for bitfarm cypher mining marathon and right here uh talk us through some of these numbers because they can look a little freaky at first uh, but when it comes down to it it's the art of depreciation which yourself as a chartered accountant can walk us through quite easily yeah i mean i mean let's let's be honest you know um three of those four companies over the three and the nine month periods that are shown there, you know, made an accounting loss. There's no getting away from it. It's an accounting loss. Um, Marathon made a profit, but Marathon made a profit on the strength that um, they were able to dilute 31 million shares and, and um, you know, reduce their, their loan notes, um, I think over 400 million loan notes. And so there was a, there was a benefit of the interest um, of about, you know, 80, 80 million. So, if that hadn't occurred, they would have been in, in, in losses as well over those over those periods as well. So um, what I tend to do when I look at the financial results, you know, depreciation, yes, it's a true cost. Stock compensation is a true cost. And, um, you know, the impairment of, of assets are also true costs. But these companies run on cash. They have to be cash flow positive. So I tend to look more from a cash perspective. And some people, you know, don't appreciate that and you know they want to include the depreciation i would i would include depreciation if all the miners were consistent in the depreciation methods they use to depreciate assets but the trouble is you they're using different policies they're using different years different amounts and so you can't really do a fair comparison you know i mean riot had 190 million of depreciation in the 12 the, the nine the nine months of 2023 
had they not had that level of depreciation, they would have been profitable in both, you know, full year and 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 and, and last quarter. Um, but you know, I then I you know, I look at the um, and all the miners do this. So if you look at the, the the bottom column there, it's the adjusted EBITDA. So that takes away depreciation. It takes away interest payment. It takes away these one you know the one-off charges. Um, you know, so stock compensation and any one-off charge, it, 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 it doesn't include those. And if you look at the numbers then, actually, you see more positive numbers across the bottom. So that tells me that they're able to sort of like, they are managing as companies during this period where, you know, the Bitcoin price, although it's risen in 2023, it's still, you know, um, probably 40% down where it was in 2021. So, you know, still got a way to go to get to some of those closer to those um, highs from that year. But it shows that they are from a from a cash perspective, more, more, um, more, more positive. And if you look at the next, um, look at the next slide, I, I take this slide and I only use I, I'm, I'm open and transparent, I only use the cash costs here. So this slide tells me, um, you know, how many Bitcoin they mine during the nine months of the year, how much mining revenue what were the what were the cash costs associated with with that and what that then drives is it tends to drive you know a, a cash cost per bitcoin mined so then you can sort of like start to that and actually compare the miners because the miners have there's so many different variables so you're going to have different variables in the fact that miners pay different rates of energy costs they will have different levels of um, of staffing in their organisation, some may be very lean, some maybe have you know uh, you know big big teams. I think Riot, you know, three, four, five hundred staff in their teams. Marathon Digital, less than fifty. You know, those are the two big miners. Market caps over two billion, but one's got you know seven times more staff than the other one. Um, now, you know, Marathon are very lean because they 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 host. You know they use they use host companies for all their miners, so you don't need staff on site. So most of the marathon um, you know staff will be probably senior roles, you know, um, it's senior management roles, uh, working more in the sort of like the headquarters rather than you know on sites. So they may have in, individual people on sites who are just overlooking what's going on, but but the sites are run by the host companies and then are controlled by the host companies. So you know it doesn't need to have right staff. Uh, sorry, marathon staff there. But they may have, a, you know, one or two at some of the sites there. But, you know, they've only got some like 48 eight staff in total. So, you know, it's, it's, they're quite they're quite thin on the, on the ground. When we get down to looking at the the the, um, the gross, the gross uh, mining margin. I've also incorporated for those miners who've um, acknowledged an energy credit in their accounts um, to highlight that as, uh, you know, it, it won't be taken off this period, it's taken off future periods, but just to show what the energy credit value is, I've included it as a as a reduction in the energy energy price here. So, you know, although in their accounts, you know, it's 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 not included, it's it's always included in future um future future mining. So if you get a credit now, it pays your next bill off. You don't get the current bill reduced, it pays off towards your next bill. Um, but just to show you an awareness of what then credits look like, if you look at the cipher mining, so in the in the nine months of the year, they achieved um, nearly 8.5 million in energy credits, so a significant amount of energy credits, um, you know, like 10% of all the, of, of the revenue is, is like energy credits. So that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a good strategy. When we move across to uh, Riot, 
Riot actually achieved something like 66 million in energy credits, but Riot have three businesses, and I do um, apportion um, costs and rev well, the revenues are already are already segment segmentally reported by Riot. They they show it by businesses and they show their direct cost by businesses. But I've apportioned their energy in the same way they they apportion costs as well. So I've not took the whole of the energy credits here. Um, and so that 42 million reflects just the self-mining element. So it's, it's it's trying to be more accurate when you're doing a comparison. And then we look at the normal operating costs. So you look at your GNA costs, you look at your interest expenses, other operating expenses, and then you get like a, an operating cost and operating profit. And so looking at the margin, you can see Cypher, who have probably the cheapest energy price of all the miners that I cover, so all 15 miners that were in the report, um, Cypher probably got the cheapest energy. I think it's around about 2.7 cents a kilowatt hour. Um, however, their margin at 65.8% is um, overtaken by Riot, who, 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 have a, who have a good energy. I think it's slightly less than 4 cents a kilowatt hour, but the energy credits, because they were switching off and were able to sell blocks of energy back to the grid, they really benefited from that strategy. And so their gross margin for the nine months of the year was nearly 80%, 78.6%. You had Marathon at 35.8%, and that's a slight improvement on previous um, periods. So that includes their hosting fee as well. So that should be should be noted. So I think their total cost per kilowatt hour is around about 6.6 um, cents a kilowatt hour. So obviously higher than the Cypher, higher than and Riot, but it does include a hosting fee. Um, Bit Farms achieve 40.5%. Uh, They've got a, a reasonably low... Um, a reasonably low electricity cost. They have probably of the four miners there got the got the um, low the or the high the, the, they've got the lowest efficiency of all the miners. So they've got probably an older fleet, and they're looking to, at ways to how to bring new miners in and replace that and get that that um, efficiency down to the likes of where Clean Spark, Marathon, and Riot are. Um, but what it shows you is it shows you that you know they seem to be getting more out of their machines than some of the other miners because that's still a good gross margin to achieve. Um, when we get down to the operating profit, um, again, um, you know, it's, you're expecting that it's, it's a cipher because they have such a good... Sorry, can you just move up? Sorry, back up to the previous table. Um, when you see, you see, you expect cipher to, to have, you know, because they have such a great gross margin to have a, a, a good operating margin... Um, it wasn't a fantastic operating margin. They do have significant um, GNA costs, um, and those GNA costs in there are are not including the stock compensation, um, which again is for, for for ciphers is is sort of quite quite high compared to their peer group. Um, but you look at um, Riot's GNA for the size of them; that's quite low. Um, Bit Farms, you know, they've gone through uh, you know a cost management system for the last sort of 18 months i mean they they had 160 million dollars of debt uh, back in june 2022 that number is now down to 7.7 .7 million they've got rid of 153 million dollars of debt over the last sort of 15 16 months so that's an amazing turnaround and that sets them up quite nicely going into the halving where the interest payments although it's shown there at um, interest payments of 3 million um, for, for the nine months that will drastically drop going forward because they haven't got enough they haven't got a significant amount of debt le left now so that every month they've been chipping away at the debt um with a number of measures 
um, including dilution. They've, they've diluted shares and, and helped pay that, but they've been selling Bitcoin to, to pay the debt. So they've done everything they can. And with that 7.7 million debt left and five months to go to the um, halving, I expect that to be zero. And then sort of that gives them a stronger position going into the halving where they can start looking at maybe getting some more up-to-date machines to replace some of the older machines and get that efficiency rating down where their peer group are. Um, cash cost per Bitcoin mined, um, you, you know, again, you know, three miners all around the sort of 20 to 23,000 mark. But if you look at Riot there, that energy credit um, that they receive really brings their cost cost down significantly and they're producing a cost of a bitcoin at eleven thousand. now going into the halving if the bitcoin price stays at where it is now they're going to be okay they're not going to have any you know as, as many issues as some of these other public miners because they're producing um you know a bitcoin price at that level and um you know it's still going to be warm in texas next year they're still going to be able to utilize that energy strategy next year during the months of June through to September. So we expect to see again, you know, similar amounts of credits. And people say, oh, well, it's, it's you know, the, the miners are taking, you know, that they're raising the domestic price of energy. I mean, the miners are only utilizing 3% of all the credits that are issued in Texas. So it's a very small percentage. These big battery companies and car manufacturers and other industries in there, I think aluminium um, industry down in Texas like that, they get significant amounts of, of, of credit and nobody's going out there and sort of like highlighting that but as soon as a bitcoin miner switches off the machines to help the um, to help the grid they're they're the bad actor in this and um hopefully we can get that education out there to say actually that they're not they're doing a great job of stabilizing the grid using power that nobody else wants to use no other industry could do what what these companies can do switch on and switch off in a matter of seconds you know, 100,000 miners in a location might take 30 seconds to switch the whole lot off and restart them in 30 seconds, you know. So, uh, you know, if you go to an aluminium smelting company or something like that, it, it takes months for them to get the heat to the level they need to. They can't switch off. They have to keep going round the clock. Um, car manufacturers, Elon Musk is not going to stop the conveyor belt. You know, he, he wants to keep producing vehicles. He has to, you know, he's got staff working those facilities. Bitcoin miners... Can switch off they they don't have hundreds of staff looking after facilities there might be two or three people at facilities so they can do that um so that's really positive um so yeah so at the moment all managing to produce a, a, a bitcoin within the bitcoin price but we know the halving comes and the energy price itself will double overnight effectively because it will take twice as long to mine a bitcoin than it does at the moment so the GNA costs and all those will stay the same, but the actual energy price, which is your biggest cost of the miner, that will actually um, that will actually double um, once the halving occurs. So it's those miners who've got that low efficiency of miners, cheap energy, and these four, to be honest, um, from an energy perspective, I think Marathon probably is the biggest miner now. Should be looking to try and negotiate better rates, but the other three certainly in the top half of of miners in terms of of energy. Um, cost per kilowatt hour um, and marathon will have the have that sort of power of the the size to probably negotiate better rates going forward so you know that'll be interesting to see some of their next updates um with that information please so here's a, here's a quick slide of the three months uh, we've looked at the nine month slide this one i i only want to focus on the riot um column because in the three months um of reporting so that looks at the july august september 
that was in um, peak warm weather season for Texas, and Wright were earning significant amounts of credits. And so, you know, their gross mining profit was actually um, higher. So their credits were higher than the actual cost of the energy they were using to mine the thousand, just over a thousand Bitcoin they mined in that quarter. So um, they had an operating profit of 96.3%. So when you take off their overhead costs, you still got 96.3% of profit in their self-mining business. That effectively meant the cost of mining one Bitcoin during that three months, if you use the energy cost as a, as a, as a, as a reduction over that period, when we know it's going to be a future period, but just using it for analysis, um, effectively means that um, the cost of a, of a Bitcoin to, to be mined was just over $1,000, which is like, um, it, it's pretty mind-blowing. When you consider the other three, again, sort of in that sort of low 20s, um, low 20 figure, and actually... If you look at the cash cost of mining Bitcoin for Bitfarm, Cypher and Marathon, the reason some of those are actually higher than the nine-month period, even though the Bitcoin price increased, is the difficulty has been affecting the miners over the year. So the hash rate difficulty um, has increased, outpaced um, um, some, of, some, of their, uh, some, of the, some of the rises in Bitcoin. And so... Um, we can see that bit farms have got a higher cost for that three months than they have for the nine months, even though we saw the Bitcoin price rise over the months of July, August and September. Production levels were lower, and so the, it wasn't compensating enough with the price increase. Um, the, the jump in October might turn that around, so the next quarter might be interesting. If Bitcoin can, can hold at 37, even get to like 40,000, then we might see, you know, um, better margins going into that quarter as we approach the halving. But um, but, but I just wanted to emphasise the credits from Riot in them three months really brought the cost down to a ridiculous amount. And I just want to emphasise from a Riot perspective, they have three businesses. They have a, a hosting business that is not profitable, doesn't even bring a contribution to the organisation. And they have an engineering business that brings a, a margin of about 8%. So their self-mining business, which is really, really positive, is actually compensating the other two services um, overall. So I only focus on the self-mining. So whilst I'll you know, show the self-mining element, I think we ought to be saying as well at the same time that they have two businesses that don't bring anywhere near the same contribution in. So overall, Riot's financial results you know, aren't seen in as great a light, but as a self-miner, um, doing everything right. And if you think about, their, you know, they're, they're building up Corsicana now, so expectation by the middle of um, 2024 they'll have seven seven and a half exahash there again you know in texas maybe expectations you know they'll be able to do some similar strategies at corsicana that they're doing at windstone um but yeah i think there's a caveat needs to look at the whole business as well sometimes this is a balance sheet extract so this is this is important from um, a position um you know having a healthy balance sheet is really important going through to the halving. You want to make sure from the balance sheet perspective that you can meet your current liabilities. And current liabilities are those bills that are due in the next 12 months of the year. So if we look at those four companies there, look at say Bitfarms there, they have $29.6 million of current liabilities. So those bills will have to be paid in the next 12 months. What have they got to pay with them? Well, they've got the current assets. And the current assets of that company, that's assets that can be liquidated in the next 12 months, is 83 million. So from a 
current ratio perspective, we want to see a number in excess of 1.0. We want to make sure that they've got sufficient uh, amount of, of assets, current assets that can meet their current liabilities. And in Bitfarm's case, they can do it as a ratio of 2.8. So 2.8 times the amount of current assets to current liabilities. That's healthy. Cypher mining, again, it's over 1, 1.4. That's, that's healthy, it, you know. Um, Marathon and Riot, you know, that's a different different um, sphere. Now, Riot um, at 7.23 do have a significant amount of cash on their balance sheet. It's heading towards like 300 million. And there's a reason for some of that to be on the balance sheet. They have a massive PPA agreement um, in Texas. And to have a PPA agreement, you have to have collateral um, because of the energy pricing. So, you know, you have to prove that you've got the ability in case of the pricing goes really, um, you know, um, diff, you know, di you know, higher. You have to show that you can, you know, pay the margin. And so they maintained a sort of like significant level, well over 200 million, literally every month of 2023. Um, so there is a reason behind having that, that, that significant amount of current assets there. But liabilities they have zero debt. So those current liabilities aren't even debt related. They're sort of like, you know, payables and things that are just happening over the next sort of, over the next few months that, you know, get get paid. Um, Marathon have a massive amount of assets compared to liabilities. So their ratio is 11.33. And there's actually an argument to say, you know, right, uh, Marathon aren't utilizing their assets like some of the other miners are because, you know, Having a really high number, it starts, it, 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 you know, we're always saying that BitFarms at 2.82 is really positive. It, it looks like Marathon aren't utilizing some of the assets that they've got there. So they have a, a large amount of cash, they have a large amount of Bitcoin, and um, they have very little current liabilities. So they're not, it looks like they're not making use of some of that. Now, obviously, a lot of it is the, is the Bitcoin, is the Bitcoin hodl. And so their argument will be is we want to maintain that hodl because we know or we expect the price to increase and then we'll benefit from that there. Um, but there's an argument that you could utilize that hodl without selling the hodl. So you could have a loan against the hodl to raise and purchase machines or, you know, and improve, you know, um, your efficiency that way. So that's, you know, a point to note. Um, when we look, we go down then to the next part of the table, we're looking at the enterprise value less the um, the Bitcoin hodl. So enterprise value takes the market capitalization of the company um, and it adds the debt to the company. It takes away the um, takes away the the uh, cash. And um, so, um, yeah, so moving down to the next table there, we've got the enterprise value and the enterprise value is effectively the market capitalization. You add the debt to the market capitalization, you take away the cash and cash equivalent. And I've also deducted the Bitcoin hodl because I think that's a fair assessment. And what that does then is that you can then sort of look at each miner and say that's the effectively that's the true cost of buying that of buying that miner at the moment. Um, and you know, you can see that um, you know, the most expensive miners to buy at the moment would be Marathon Digital at um, 1.8 million. Um, and that would have been significantly higher had they not got rid of the, like 400 million of debt in the last few months when they diluted to, to do that. So that, that, that enterprise value has come down significantly because of getting reducing those, um, those loan notes. Um, taking that, that enterprise value, you can then start looking at asset valuation as well. So we can look at the net assets of the company and compare that to the enterprise value. 
and um, a number low in this instance is actually better. So actually, if you look at bit farms at 1.04, that's a really good indicator that when you're buying a company like bit farms with enterprise value at 272 million, you're actually your assets are effectively um, close to what the enterprise value is. And we can see from this instance there that, you know, it is very close there. The assets are 287 million and enterprise value is 272 million. So that's a good, that's a good indicator. If we look at Marathon, you're paying 1.8 billion for the company and you're getting 1 billion and 60 million of net assets in the company. So you're paying a premium for that company. Now, there might be a premium warranted. I mean, they, you know, they've got, you know, effectively 23, 24 exahash plugged in, of which 19.4 is operational. So, you know, having that level of hash rate producing Bitcoin at the, at the rate of 1,200 plus per month gives you a premium. Um, Riot is 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 um, is is a, is a lower number because again they've got no debt on the balance sheet, so you know they've got 1.3 billion of assets, and you you know effectively an enterprise value of just over 1.4. So you're getting pretty much fair, close to where where you know asset asset value for purchasing that company. Uh, we're looking at the debt to equity ratio, and all these are quite are in good are in good positions at the moment so bit farms is now only point, um, point zero 0.09 and 12 months ago that would have been closer to probably um closer to probably 8.8 it, it's come down significantly cypher mining again um don't have a massive amount of debt 23 million on the balance sheet um so there's is there's is you know there's is a good debt to, debt debt to equity ratio it's actually lower than bit farms and bit farms only got 7 million um of of actual debt at the moment, um, marathon um, 0.31. It's a, it's a good it's 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 a good it's a good ratio to have. So it's not you know it's not anywhere that's um, you know going to be a challenge for them. Riot zero, right? Have no debt on the balance sheet. So you know most of theirs is you know is 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 you know they don't have any sort of like leases or loans, and um, they do have some sort of like liabilities, but it's 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 insignificant compared to what their um to what their to what their um value is and then the last the last ratio on that sheet is the enterprise value compared with the current hash rate and that sort of gives you like a value per current hash rate and we look at cypher cypher have got cypher share price has done really well this year i think it after core scientific it's it's probably the second highest performing share um of all the sort of 15 miners that i analyze so they've had a really good run and Effectively, when you start looking at the enterprise value and compare that to your installed hash rate, um, that's like for every one exahash, it's 103 uh, million. If you look at like the likes of Marathon, it's 96 million exahash. If you look at Riot, it's 88 million exahash. But if you look at Bit Farms, it's only 47.4 million. And I know that if I start looking at Iris, Clean Spark, um, certainly, some of the smaller miners, that number will drop again. So, you know, there are there is some value in some of these miners if you look at some of the metrics and you can start like formulating um, a, an idea of which ones um, you know might be worth worth looking and doing some more due diligence. Awesome. You want to go to the next slide? Cool. So we only have a few left. I think we should just go to the shares if that's okay. Cool. 
Awesome. Well, thanks for that information. Let's go down to the mining shares, which we have a metric here. And of course, if people want to take a look at this, you can just go to the Compass Mining website and Anthony has been doing articles with them. So you can go check out this article there. Here we have a share price year to date. We have BitFarm, Cypher, Marathon, Riot, and Bitcoin. BitFarm's at 161% growth, Cypher at 409%, Marathon 168%, Riot at 187%, and Bitcoin at 114%. So we did see that beta play that we've always talked about on the show where if Bitcoin goes up, miners go up more. If Bitcoin goes down, miners go down more. Uh, so you saw that play out again. Any thoughts on these specific ones? Of course, you put these in because this is like the quarterly update. So we didn't put in the other ones, but we saw other miners who also had uh, tremendous growth in terms of their share price. Yeah, I think um, what we saw is up until sort of like the middle of July, these miners were um, were more volatile positively to Bitcoin um, than Bitcoin was. And so we saw some really, really, I think Cypher at one point was like 700%. So we have seen a massive pullback since July on, on those four miners. And actually, Bitcoin itself, um, about three or four months ago, was only 72%. That's kept on rising to 114% for a, as a year-to-day growth. But the miners over that last three-month period, most of them have pulled back about 50%. So they've, they've, they've lost 50% of their share. And there's a lot of questions out there from retail investors saying, you know, we're not seeing that correlation between Bitcoin price and miner price for the last three months. And there could be, you know, a multitude of reasons for that. You know, we can look at the macroeconomics uh, issues of the global at the moment with the likes of the, the war in Ukraine, uh, what's going on in um, in the border between um, Palestine and and Israel, um, look at look at the look at what's going on in for all the, the major economies of the world. You know, in fact, all economies of the world with regards to inflation, interest rates, um, all these are having an impact on you know invest investment and where people you know if they've got money to invest, where do they feel a more safe haven? Um, then we've also got the fact that with the mining results coming out. And we talked about this, you know, a few minutes ago. There was only Riot who's sort of like, from a cost perspective, able to probably confidently get through um, the halving and still be able to produce um, Bitcoin at lower than the lower than the um, lower than the, lower than the, the, the actual price. Um, some of these other miners are, are going to have to sort of, you know, these three miners here probably got enough cash and and balance sheet support to get them through those three four five months certainly marathon have we, we've already seen what they, they've got something like five six hundred million on the balance sheet um to, to utilize at their their request so they'll get through to the so that through the halving and and be in a position hopefully uh, in month four or five if the price goes up they'll also be in a position through the halving if machines get switched off they may be able to make some really strategic purchases of machines out there and, and they'll be in a strong position to do that because they have a lot of resources available. Um, maybe not BitFarms and Cypher from a cash perspective, um, but there are some other miners who, who might be able to, to benefit. And if, if, if people's expectation, I'm seeing a lot of updates about the hash rate will probably drop 25, 30% once the halving occurs, because you know if the rewards drop um, and your cost of energy is then higher than the Bitcoin price, 
you effectively have to switch off because it's by 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 mining you're incurring more costs by mining bitcoin you're spending more energy than you are by not mining and so as an accountant i'm looking for miners to bring at least a contribution to their overhead costs they need to be their energy cost needs to be less than their than the actual rewards that they're going to receive so if the price is 37000 and the energy cost doubles and some of these miners who are paying like you know nearly 19 20000 energy cost that goes to 40000 you'll see miners having to switch off because it just becomes unviable and you're at a risk then if you're going through four or five months paying more for your energy and still having to pay staff and still having to pay some of those overhead costs that's a challenge at least if your energy cost is lower than the bitcoin price you have a contribution to cover some of those overhead costs and and then you you're effectively you know giving yourself a little bit of breathing space in the hope that um, the Bitcoin price goes up, and those miners that are, those miners that are prepared for the halving, once that hash rate drops, the difficulty, like we saw when when um, China switched off, you know, I think it was like 40, 50 percent of the hash rate overnight back in uh, May, June of 2021. We saw all the miners benefit because those miners that were switched on were able to get more rewards then because the the, the difficulty had reduced. So better prepared miners will be better prepared going through the halving. The less prepared miners who have higher hash rate and lower efficiency, um, it's going to be a challenge. Um, so what you really want to see is you want low-cost miners with great efficiency. They're the ones that are going to win the day, and they'll benefit. And they'll benefit the way that Bitcoin is actually you know, set up. It benefits. It benefits. It sends a real benefit out to those miners that, you know, that are in that, in that space. Yeah, it was a great thought to end on, but I'm not going to close the show quite yet because I do have one more thing I want to bring up. Dilution was also a play here, and I know we spoke about it a little bit on this show, and we've spoken off air about it quite a bit, but uh, Marathon has put out an ATM, I believe an ATM to the market for $750 million raise. Uh, Cypher Mining, I do not believe, has done anything like that because they still have their IPO money, but we have seen some selling of some of their shares uh, from Bitfury, which has a not not much, but there's some of that in there, and then there's been a few other miners, uh, like CleanSpark, that have also started diluting a little bit. So I think there's like there's some other aspects of this Bitcoin mining stock uh, price action that should be taken into account, and you noted that. And then the last thing I'll say is like the ETF play. I mean, we had Reggie Smith from JP Morgan on the show. We kind of talked about like what's going to happen, what are expectations for investors and for uh, public liquid funds are interested in purchasing these stocks. You know, and they have exposure to other vehicles perhaps in the next three months. So why go load up on a lot of Bitcoin mining stocks if you have the opportunity to go purchase an ETF, which has quote unquote direct exposure to underlying this, asset, this is, which is what is they really want. Room. This is the conundrum. It is a conundrum. You know, uh, you know, the expectation out there is that you know, obviously BT price will rise, um, and and you know if investment, um, the big investment firms have to go out and sort of like purchase Bitcoin to keep on their balance sheet if they're going to offer these services, um, that's positive because we know for the last two years, seventy percent of all Bitcoin hasn't even left an exchange. Or a wallet, it's stayed where it is. I haven't sold any in two years. I'm keeping hold of my small amounts of Bitcoin, and and seventy percent of people actually own Bitcoin are in the same are in the same boat as well. Um, the issue for mining stocks is, you know, will the ETF, like you say, 
um, move funds away from miners into other areas that are maybe more correlated with with Bitcoin, Bitcoin itself. Yeah. So that that's the sort of that's the that's the um, the sort of sixty four dollar question. Um, I yeah. don't have the answer to that one. Um, we'll just have to wait. We'll just have to wait, wait and and, and see. Um, but we know that investors like the mining stocks. They like the volatility. Um, you know, you can see, you know, gains, um, you know, Bitcoin price can go up one or two percent in a day. Mining stocks can go up 20, 30, 40 percent in a day. It's not, you know, I've seen mining stocks go up 50 percent in a day. Um, I've also seen mining stocks drop nearly 50 percent in a day as well. So that's also yeah. But that appeals to a certain type of investor. They want that sort of risk and reward um, setup. So, you know. Who, who knows? We're just talking through the sort of the metrics of it, like. But actually, you know, um, it, it might bring equally bring people into into uh, the mining stocks again. And we saw in 2021 there was an absolute avalanche of people trying to get in some of these stocks as we saw their market caps rise significantly, massively higher than what they are now. I mean, most of these mining stocks, I would say, I'm going to say, are like 80% down on where they were in 2021 still. And we've seen green shoots already this year. Some have got a long way to go to get to where they need to be. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll leave you with that final thought. <laughs> Not a great thought to end on, but a truthful one. Anthony, thank you again so much for joining the show. If you are interested in his work, you can, of course, follow his Twitter handle, which is right here on the display if you're looking at the YouTube video. Uh, of course, you can find him on Twitter and elsewhere. And then his article itself, we will link in today's show notes. Speak with you again soon here, Anthony. Thanks. Thanks for having me.